Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. Hi, Jor. Hi, Doll. <laughs> you don't know how thrilled I am to have you on this show. When I started thinking of the markup, you know, one of the first people that I thought, gosh, your story is so amazing. I need to have you on this show. But when you're talking about what we're about to talk about, right? Yeah. You have to find the right time and the right place and the right spirit place to be in, to be here. And so we've made it happen and we are going to have a chance to really go deep. Yeah. And you know, I've been telling my listeners and my viewers that I wanted to give them a little uh, love, something. Always like a little love, right? But I wanted to give oh, them a little love. Goes all the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and, so, and so, this is part of that um, series on love, loss, and finding ourselves again. And yeah. I'm so happy that you're part of that because, first of all, you give me all kinds of energy. I, I have Literally, I had to dress up today. Like, hey, oh my man. Girl, when, it comes, you, when, when it comes to stuff like this, you know, and I know we need to get Gucci'd up, Chanelized. We it, it needs to rain Louis Vuitton. And when you wake up in the morning, you need to make people know that when they see you in the evening somewhere out, you know, standing out there, and men are turning around and going, "Holy Moses, smell the roses." That is exactly how you wake up in the morning. <laughs> You can get right the clock 24-7. Oh my gosh. You're, you're already so crazy. I love it, love it, love it. Although I will change the Gucci nice and all that to some more diverse label, we got to put in some different African labels in there, you know? But I mean, I'm definitely representing, right? I mean, my... Amen. Skirt. And you are, are you wearing Afri too? Yes, I am. Mama talked to all the way. What more? Thank you, Mother Africa. Bring it, bring it, bring it. <laughs> so, as, as everybody can already see, we're off to like a crazy start here in <laughs> But, so let me, I, I always let my guests, I invite my guests to introduce themselves. But I want to yeah. say a little, a little blurb first on you because you and I go back. Way when back. I was 10 years old, right? And we're three weeks apart. We started a little blurb with Amanda. Um, mm-hmm. together and we're in the same class for many years and we just you know you moved to the UK and moved to the US and all these years later we're still there we're still vibing and one of the most important pivotal points in your life so we're going to talk about today I was there and so Jor before we even talk about that just tell the audience who you are in your own words <laughs> Well, I'm Georgette, very unique. Um, I am Cameroonian, born of Cameroonian parents in Yaoundé, the capital city. Mm-hmm. I went to North in Bamenda, which is a boarding school, I think about eight hours drive from Yaoundé. And I was absolutely recalcitrant while I was there because I did not like it. Yes, not you were. 
you can tell I'm not one to play by the rules. I make my own rules. I, you know, I called myself captain of my own ship. So it took me forever to understand why I had to go to some school where I'm being told to wake up at 5 a.m. Like, seriously, who wakes up at 5 a.m.? Wake up at 5 a.m. and start doing stuff. So besides that, there was the cold and also because there was no, I had no immediate family in that part of Cameroon. Being born and raised in Yaoundé, the capital city, I had a total up, a different upbringing and lifestyle. I'm the yes. only girl. I'm the only girl. I've got four brothers. Don't just call you the only girl. You were the princess, the diva, the queen of the family. <laughs> I was that is everything. So, uh, which made you with the apple of everybody's eye because you're the apple of daddy's eye. You see, everybody's different. You speak like dad and the rest of the world. Look, I'm a queen at home. I'm a queen here too. Yeah. So, it was, it was um, different coming from a home where I'm literally worshipped. I remember some day I used to wake up in the morning and tell my dad I wanted a new pair of shoes. And I remember for my birthday, my dad, I think it was my eighth or ninth birthday, my dad actually drove from Yaoundé to Idea to get me a pair of shoes. So then I turn up in Lourdes and I'm told, no, you can't have it your way. I'm like, uh, excuse you? My dad says, yeah, the world is my oyster. I can do what I want, be what I want, and I should not be scared to speak up. But in Lourdes, it was a whole other story. If you dare speak up, they're like, where the bejesus have you come from? Yeah. yeah, so that, yeah, that training in laws, it, it was harsh. I, I found it really difficult to find my voice in that place. And I obviously got definitely marked out as the really recalcitrant and stubborn one. Um, mm-hmm. Later in the years, though, obviously, yeah, I started growing because growth comes in, whether or not you like it. And I realized, well, if you can't beat them, be them. So I joined. I tried to become the holy girl and go to mass at 5 a.m. and not complain. There was never you need the holy girl. Child, I do not remember this I tried in my own level. I'm not saying by normal standards. That girl, no way. You know, I've always been different. I was born. This whole side profile on me right now. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But yeah, I tried. So I tried to, you know, blend in and the good thing I'll take out of Lourdes is, you know, the likes of you. How many years later? 22 years later? And we are still yeah. riding. I mean, you and I have been, we've literally gone across the world. We yeah. have. So, um, yeah. That's yeah, the worst times. The worst times we have been. We've toured Europe together. We were on vacation in Greece. Yeah. You were daily. Yeah, <laughs> we've toured the world, you and I. We have tried. We've we've gone. Um, I think we did Mexico. We did Europe. We did Mexico. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, we did, we did Mexico, Mexico girl. I complete win. I remember it was yeah. you and me coming through. You guys called me and I was like, "I'm there. Why not?" I'm there. <laughs> and a man, did you answer that call? And did you I was going through some things. Yeah. In that girl's time away, you know, which is it, it, it was great. It was good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I left Cameroon, uh, I think coming up to wow. 
18 years now. I left Cameroon, came to the UK. Um, again, no family in the UK. So my friends, Lisa, university friends, first became my second family. Um, like every other immigrant student out here, you just have to hustle. So you're going to school and you're doing that summertime job to earn some coins on the side. And someone like me with the very big eyes who's just yeah. all designed crazy, I was like, look, I need to wrap this up real quick and find myself a really good job and get going because at the end of the day, you know, things are changing out here. And I first became my own person. I am self-made today. <clears throat> I cannot, for the life yeah. of me, still figure out exactly how that happened. I mean, at the time, I just knew, get on with it. The daddy, daddy's not here anymore. You cannot turn yeah. to mom, you know, for money get on with it and you know i hustled i put my back down i worked hard and yeah and here i am today i have been fortunate and privileged enough to be able to travel the world you know there are a lot of people who you know for one reason or the other they have different priorities but i have had the privilege and that luck to be able to both, you know work traveling for work traveling for pleasure it's been absolutely amazing and what a fantastic way to open me up to, you know, the world. You know, this yeah. is travel knowledge and yeah, definitely. Yeah. Joie de vivre. I think life oh, life owes you. you. I'm gonna give it to you, right? And if it doesn't give yeah. it to you, you're gonna take it. Yeah. Which is why, which is why when you asked me to be a maid of honor, I could not say no. It had been this <laughs> kind of amazing like road to that place during the engagement and you first of all Jojette is one of the best dressers I know so when I'm promoting you yeah, have to put your pictures out so people can really see like you are your own person you're self-confident you're sexy you know you just know how to put that and look together but anyway I say all that to say I was ready I had bought my ticket for the wedding and I remember I was in bed and it was a wee hours of the morning on December 5th or so. And you know, I, I remember that because we had a birthday in the family the day before. I went to bed exhausted. In the middle of the night, like, I, I don't know, it was like four or five o'clock my time, my phone rings and usually I don't even hear it, but it went buzz, 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 what is going on? I pick up the phone and it was you. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm supposed to be yeah. on a plane to Cameroon in a few weeks for this wedding. And a lot of the other bridesmaids who were from abroad had been there and you were already in Cameroon. So yeah. when I picked up that phone with bated breath, I was waiting. <laughs> what happened? Time bomb. Wow. That was seven years ago. Well, almost seven years ago. It was still... I'm very sure I can remember every beat of it because it was one hell of a journey. So, yeah, I rang you up December 5th. It must have been three hours of the morning, your time. It was already almost midday in Cameroon at the time. Things had happened overnight. I have to tell you right now, when I was sitting down and making that call, I was very, very conscious of the broken glasses around me, just making sure that I don't step on any and hurt myself even further so as you would know i'd been engaged for 
two years. Yeah, because we started our, our relationship in December, was it? No, January 2010. Mm -hmm. And March 2011, he proposed. And obviously, because of our circumstances at the time, I was in the UK, he was in Cameroon, although obviously he had, that Cameroon was just for work. He was an expert in Cameroon. His home is in Europe. Um, it made it kind of difficult for me to immediately jump the boat and say, what the hell, let's just get on with it and get married. So I wanted to like take my time. And you know me, girl, like I need to, I don't rush things because I like for it to be the Georgette way. It's Georgette time, right. you know, let's, let, let's say amen to that. I've always got to stand, yeah, stand out. So not only that, but I needed to take my time and understand who I was becoming as a fiance because let's face it girl all my life like you said that joie de vivre i've never really wanted to settle because i thought you know life is different for everyone there's still a lot of life for me to leap out there before submitting and i say submitting because when you become either married or you're in a committed relation fully committed relationship where maybe you guys mm -hmm. have been there are a lot of things that you give up and i wasn't ready for that yet and so I'd fallen in love with this person. And at the time I was like, well, why not? You know, it's coming up to, I'll soon be 30. Why don't I just, you know, go with it and see how it goes. Now, Joy, let, let's just pause there for a little bit because I, I just want to take stock of a few things. At this point in the journey, you had a career. Yeah. You're living in the UK. You had your own place. You had a career. Yeah. You had yeah. friends. You had a community. You've been living there for over a decade. And so your whole life was in the UK. Exactly. And so this may sound a bit weird for some people because you would have been going back home and he's an expert who's already in your country. So here's uh -huh. what's going on. Georgette is in the UK when there's a student and now he's settled in, have a full-time job and a whole life, a whole lot of life actually. And he's <laughs> an expert, uh, a French expert in Cameroon when he has his whole life. But the plan then was get married and then you would have left your job, your life, your home, your everything, your community, your friends to move back home to be with your husband. Yeah, right? Exactly. That's correct. All right. So, yeah, talk about compromising, huh? Big choices, <laughs> big decisions, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah so that everything went well that december and i came back to the uk um 2013 and normally we had our routine where he would come out in february spend a month with me and then come back again in the spring and then we'll meet up in in france in the summer for the summer so he comes over in february of 2013 and he's like well now that everything's gone well with the knock door and the traditional, you know, um, representations and everything. Let's talk. When are you moving to Cameroon? So I said, well, it is not official yet. I cannot just get up and leave. Yeah. And he's like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, well, we've done the first two, you know, um, official, you know, accustoming and bringing the two families together, like trying to, you know, me meeting your family, you meeting my family. So we all, we, we, we all acquainted now. Let's move toward the wedding because I cannot mo leave everything I've worked for here. And girl, I was 
at the time I was going, you know me, I put my everything into something. I was booming in my career. I was going places. So I cannot yeah. just get up and leave everything here and move to Cameroon because you've said you you know they poured some wine on my ancestors graves and that's okay no there's got to be more you know more assurance some something firm something assurance. solid thank assurance. you that's ah, my ah, little you okay you know, i can't so. you know, just work with me yeah <laughs> so obviously and he he agreed to that now when I look back, I'm thinking he reluctantly agreed. Why do I say reluctant? I'll come to that because it feels like he was under the impression that all the formalities have been, had been done when he came um, in December 2012 and did the whole traditional thing. And that was enough mm -hmm. for him to up and leave. He did not realize that I wasn't ready to give up everything just like that. So when I talked wedding and he agreed, he left when he left that february he calls me in one of our normal daily calls and he hits me with a prenup and i'm thinking Ooh. oh yeah baby you know a prenup it says uh gold digger because i was still up and coming in my career you and know I'm what thinking, <laughs> let me let, let me let me say this because you and i talked about it then yeah and i know i know you were quite upset about it very, and my very reaction is, i i am not against prenups mm -hmm. i do think though that they they create this sense that the marriage will fail and that so you're it. you're getting an insurance um mm -hmm. against something that is likely to happen mm -hmm. but if we look back real talk I, i'm divorced hon and so I'm one of the statistics, right? In yeah. Way. And you know, the the way I don't want to get ahead of your story, but there was something there was something in it for me that I think I had seen enough. And okay. having a different background, I just felt like he'd worked hard his whole life. And mm -hmm. he has it would even with his his um background and his family history, there was something about it that made him think if this doesn't last, I don't want this woman to run away with all of my, my money. And well, makes sense. Yeah, it's not something that I subscribe to. And I think individuals need to really talk about it in their relationships, what that means to them. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. the way it lands for some people is if you, if, it's what you just said, right? If you want, if you want uh, a prenup, are, are you, are you calling me a gold digger? What, what are you trying to say, boo? But, but other times, I look at myself now and I, I ask the question, if I were to remarry, um, would I do it? And I, I don't know, I don't think it's in my spirit to do that, but maybe my, my, my way of looking at the world is actually archaic. I'm not one of those people who outright will say no to, uh -huh. to pronouns. And uh -huh. so I think it's by case thing. So I know you were upset that day, you called me and I, yeah. I didn't give you the answer that you wanted, but I wanted to give you an answer that came from a place of see it his way and then see it your way and then see how you can find middle ground mm -hmm. so just touching on that the reason why i got upset if i don't know if you remember it's because he came back with well if you want marriage if you're asking for assurance because you're leaving your life there to come be in cameroon with me then i need a counter ask and i was like wow so this is more like a game now like it felt like a contract 
yeah yes. so it felt yeah. like a contract and i had mm-hmm. to ask him and i said you've seen the way i live in the uk you've been here so many times do i look like i lack anything everything you've seen in my place in my house my wardrobe my everything it is i have worked hard it is self-made do i look like someone who needs more from you what can you give me that i haven't given myself you know that is how but anyways moving on so we obviously we 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 tiffed about it like couples would do and eventually all calmed down and yeah and i agreed i was like okay something's gotta give you know i've put down my my um proposition and he's counter asked for asking for prenup prenup it is because no matter how much i try to talk and say you've seen my lifestyle you've seen this you've seen that i did it all by myself i'm self-made if i refuse to sign that prenup it goes to show that maybe i have ulterior motives or i'm maybe yeah. yes that's the trap right that's exactly yeah. so i felt like get it <laughs> get it out there tell him what you think get it off your chest but sign the damn thing so i signed it we flew to paris and i signed it i was like you know sort it done anyway yeah. so we started you know spring came fast approached as usual before we knew it, it was summertime and we started planning for the wedding and my girls were all over the place and i had all my child- childhood friends including you yeah um in the bridal train and everything yeah and people were flying from all corners i know i got i had people coming from nairobi from germany from uh, the us you uh other parts of africa south africa and all that there was it was gonna be big and his parents were over the moon i mean he comes from a divorced family his mom took to me from day one and i'm still well up until recently I, i'm still, I was still in touch with the mom i seen really um his dad was just showing me off to the world like you know they were over the moon they were like they couldn't wait they had invited other family from geneva so the, it was like an international you know wedding to say the least and so i turned up to in cameroon 30th of November 2013, I arrived in Cameroon a whole month before did I thought. Did you just do? Because that's oh, what yeah. you know. That's, that's how the story goes. That's how the people are. So I arrived in Cameroon 30th of November. Um, obviously, went straight to his place. He picked me up from the airport, straight to his place. The following morning, I called my mom and said, Yeah, I'm here and we will be coming down to Yaoundé soon. I just need to you know obviously sit down and enjoy my fiance so um i immediately noticed that he was different unlike the last time i was home he had all these things planned baby let's go to creepy baby let's do this baby and a belgian expert friend of mine is hosting something let's go baby put on your best outfit kill them show them what you got stuff like that and this yeah. time around he was cold he was a bit withdrawn so i asked myself i was like is it the wedding jitters it must be you were like self yeah what's going on and this was december 1st second december sent a whatsapp message to his mom to say i arrived cameroon okay i hope you guys are ready um anything you need don't forget let me know you know they were also his mom was over the moon because she had never been to africa she oh, she couldn't stop like the moment she she got a message from me she'll call and we'll be on the phone forever oh she should bring this she needs to do that she was so excited bless her a lovely woman and um 
And then I said to her in the message, I said, yeah, I'm home now. I'm ready. Bring it on. Waiting for you guys. Excited. P.S. You need to speak to your son. I think he needs to talk. And so she asked, she was like, everything's okay. Saying, yeah, everything is okay, but I think he needs someone to talk to. I can tell I'm a woman. And she's like, yeah, we're intuitive like that. We've got that thing, right? And I was like, yeah. yeah. So eventually she talked with him. That night, later that night, she said to me, Did she, uh, I spoke with my mom and she said, it's normal for me to have cold feet. We hadn't even talked about that, but he said that. He was like, she says it's normal to, for me to have cold feet. Well, I feel Wait. a bit weird. So he hadn't told you he had cold feet. He hadn't told me. Following the conversation with his mom, yeah, yeah, then he said, it's normal for me to have cold feet. But this was the first time that you were hearing it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and that is after I went behind his back and asked his mom to talk with him. Because I figured it out. So, um, and I said, well, what made you think it's like, normal or what made you want to open up to mom because he wasn't you met him he wasn't much of a like most men a macho man he wouldn't he he's not very much a a kind of opening up to person he's very yeah. kind of yeah an extrovert in that sense and i said to him what made you you know open up to mom to that extent and he said well she gave birth to me she's the only woman on earth that i trust and i was like fair enough she is your mother amen to that um uh, yeah <laughs> hold on that's a tea drinking moment hold on oh yeah you sip on that tea baby sip on it sip on that tea she's the only woman you trust and yet you're about to get to marry another okay so let that one there i quickly learned to pick and choose my battles with him because there were a lot of all a series of little things and odd comments here and there that never sat well with me in the beginning i used to throw tantrums and fits and then i quickly realized this is his person this is who he is they say when you you know you fall in love with someone you accept them in good and bad and i yeah. know his habits and i just thought yeah maybe at some point i'll become immune to all of those and i'll gradually becoming immune to those things and here is where it's dangerous yes, girl, you yeah. are. here is where it's dangerous because that was by becoming immune to these things these little things that he was doing that were totally unacceptable and disrespectful to say the least i was losing a part of myself into that someone for someone like me being submissive has never been a part of me that is i am the most recalcitrant person that you can ever find. Like I would literally fight everything. Even when the wind blows too hard, I'm like, why? Why the hell do you have to blow that hard? You know? But I found myself, yeah, submitting to these things and accepting that, yeah, it is a part of game. It, you know, it's a part of this relationship. I've just got to learn how to be immune to these things. And it was wrong. I mean, looking back now, I'm like, wow. Yeah. But, but, but Jor, let me, let me say this, because I, I think I owe it to my guests and my audience to, to bring a real dose of truth, right, when we have this show. Because if we just wanted to talk about the weather or the latest movie, which I don't know what the latest movie there is in quarantine, but if we, if we wanted to just have some fluffy conversation, we could. But that's not what we do at the Market of Difference, right? We go a little bit deeper. So I want to go a little bit deeper, but I want to focus on you, not on him, because yeah. you're the one who's here. Mm. And so when you say all these things were changing, mm. you were this person you didn't recognize. Why? 
Why were you, what was it about that situation that was allowing you to change, what was causing you to change? And what was it about it that made you accept things that you would normally not accept? Yeah. It was love, girl. It was love. I got hooked. I got hooked big time. It was love. Four letter word. Was, was it more than love? Was this it was about love? Mm-hmm. It was compassion. It was me trying to find myself, trying to adjust in this new situation, in this new role I'd never been in before. It was me taking it all in, just trying to make the best out of it. Um and accepting and counting my losses as I went along. One it, was, thing it, took a lot of, it took a lot of giving. You know, with, with us women, finding love or falling in love is never an issue. The issue is that part where we give endlessly. We give and we don't stop. And at some point, we give to the, the point where it actually consumes us. And sometimes it breaks us down. Yeah, I think in this situation, I gave so much that it consumed me and I did not even realize that is where I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, you say it now, and it takes me back then when you and I used to talk about it, because it was a huge part of that for me. Yeah. That was reflecting on how much about this, it's not about him, it's about your father. Because we haven't talked about the fact that your beloved father, you were the apple of his eye, you were his princess, his queen, his everything. <laughs> you, you lost your father when we were, what, 13? 16. No, 15, at a very tender age. Just, yeah, just becoming so, a big girl. Yeah, so just, just showing up in the world. You lost mm-hmm. your dad. And there were times when I thought, is that what she's looking for in this particular relationship? And given that was the age it. difference, right? That was it. Yeah, the age difference was already something. He was yeah. 15 years older than me. And yeah, that was it. I was looking for that father figure subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, that security. I needed that daddy security. And I felt that this man could give me that. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it. You you touched the nail there. You you hit the nail on the head there. That was it. <laughs> Girl, you know me too well. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I may know you well because we're friends, but I also think that there's there's a lot that's said about feeling the void that a parent leaves, right? Whether it's a mother who leaves a son's life or a daughter's life and father, but our parents play such instrumental roles in our lives that when they leave, especially at pivot points in our lives, we go searching, whether we know it or not. So I think at the time, you know, I, I hadn't quite surmised all of this in my own mind, but you and I were so close. And I, and I was outside the situation, so I could see it for what it was. But yeah. You're in it and you couldn't. Yeah. So let's go. You, you've given us this really good context. But I want to go back to that phone call that came yeah. to me. Because I can, and I'll recount it from my end, and you can say what happened. All mm-hmm. I heard when I picked up the phone was, doll, doll, doll. I am dead. This man has ruined me. I have broken glass all over. 
I started being bad. I was like, broken glass? What's happening? Why is there broken glass? What's going on? I, I, I saw the, and I said, okay, what is going on? So what was going on? So yeah, I called you that, that, well, it was your, it was early hours of the morning that day because the night before we had a family priest who was meant to initiate the wedding call up to talk, you know, like all priests would do some sort of counseling prior to us getting married. And he was very cold towards the prison. I would say rude because that is our family prison. He's been a mentor in the family, especially after we lost our dad. So I thought that was disrespectful. So I had to make excuses. I had to tell um, the family priest to cut it short because there was we needed to do some very important stuff. Mm-hmm. So came out of that meeting with the family priest and I confronted him and I was like, okay, um, what's going on? What's going on here? And he said to me, he's tired. He's come from work and he, then he went to the gym and he's just exhausted with it. And I said, that is not it. You better not start effing with me. What's going on? <laughs> And he kind of beat about the bush and I went, who is she? Straight up like that. I went, who is she? How old? And he paused, obviously, on a, like, it took him, he, he, he just did not imagine that I could, you know, go down that road with him. And I, who is she? How old? What's going on? How long has he been going on for? And he didn't know if I was asking because I had evidence or anything. So he literally shot himself and started telling me um it's nothing it was just a fling i stopped it i called it out but it reminded me that we can we can do this without necessarily getting married we can live our lives happily together without this whole marriage i was like what has that got to do with anything i've been living my life in the uk restaurant i am aware girl check me out i got game i am aware <laughs> All the shots. I can have any Tom, Dick, and Harry I want, but I chose you. I chose you, and I was ready to give my life up in the UK for you and move to Cameroon for you. And here you are standing in front of me, three weeks to our wedding, telling me that you had some fling with some girl, and she reminded you that we could do this without getting married. We could live together without getting married. So you can go about having your party and I would sit at home and say, well, at least I'm in his house, ain't I? And I went, no, 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 no. You made a wrong call. And what followed after that was broken. I, I broke everything inside. Like I just, I could not remember, but I broke everything inside. I remember lifting off the glass dining table and it just shattered into, I did not care at that point. Um. But what I remember, because I lost it, I really, you know, I'd never experienced this before. This part of me, I didn't know existed. I remember his gatesman rushed up upstairs when he heard all the noise and everything. And I remember him holding me, holding me down and trying to calm me down. And I just, I, I, I think I had a blackout at some point. I had never experienced anything of the sort. And I pray to God that I never, ever experienced it. It was the lion in me came out. You know I'm a Leo. The lion, the claws, everything. My mane was up there. The lion in me came out. And this man made that happen. I had never, at that time I was 31 years old. I had never, ever experienced that before. I had never been to that extent. And I thought, whoa, the devil did bring me. He dragged me out to party. And girl, did I show my ass off. I partied. 
I broke everything inside. So obviously I got calmed down and he started crying and I was crying. It was so emotional. And he's like, he cannot do this. He he's going through a dark phase. There's all he sees is darkness. He doesn't even know how to tell his parents not to come. He cannot go ahead with it. He feels like he's suffocating. I was like, okay, you know what? I can't do that to the man. You know, you let me take you. You can't do what? What did I you can't do? do that? Like I can't force him down the aisle with me. I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't force a marriage. You know, if he's not ready, so be. It. Yeah. But then he keeps saying to me, "This is not over. Let's carry on dating, and then we'll figure this out. This out as we go on our way." No, uh, uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. No, ain't gonna happen. So yeah. I'm gonna let you deal with that. I'm gonna let you tell your parents. I walked away, went into my into the uh, into our bedroom, and I called my mom. It was about 11 p.m. Told her what had happened, and she's like, "Make your way, make your way down to Yaoundé." Um, the following morning, the priest, the family priest, was coming around for dinner. He had invited the family priest around for dinner, coincidentally. So I said, "Well, I want to cancel," and he's like, "No, I can't do that. The family priest has had to drive from another town. Let's just receive him." So I told my mom I would come down after the family priest had been. So the following day, the family priest came and there were no glasses to serve him with. Oh, because he had broken all of it. So the housemaid, his housemaid, she had all this food prepared. I was just lying on the couch all day watching movie. I know, actually, I broke the TV, so I was watching stuff on my phone. You broke the TV? Yeah, the TV came down. Um, yeah, so, so, so this, this, is part, this is the part in the show where mm -hmm. I do a PSA and I say, here, Mama Doctor, we don't support violence of any kind. In this case, though, and, and, and I, say that, I say that in seriousness, um, but also I recognize something that you said, which was, I don't know where that came from in me. I have never done anything like that. Mm -hmm. it, it sounded like when you called me, you told me that my eyes popped because I thought that is unbridled rage. But I want to talk about what was underneath that because it's never just anger. It's never just rage. And I have come to understand that the thing that sits underneath anger, the thing that buoys it up is pain. It's pain. It's excruciating pain. That pain that breaks your inside and that pain that crushes you in a way that you just can't contain it and therefore it manifests in this outward rage right that was it that was it let's go there because you've talked about what happened i went here with all this it's a lot of physical stuff <laughs> happening right yeah by the end of the day in that moment when you heard those words about let's forget about the she, she there's always a red to me that's a red herring right yeah oh yeah when you, when you think about what you heard with the I am not ready to commit to you on a one-to-one -one basis, we can just live together and kind of see how this goes. When you heard that, Joy, what happened to your heart? Where was your heart? Where were your feelings? I felt like I was in a dream, actually. My heart stopped. I felt my insides were exploding. Mm. Oh yeah. I felt like there was a, a volcano, a volcano suddenly erupted inside of me. 
I honestly, I can't, I don't, I can't, I can't put the, put these, this, I don't know. I can't put it in words exactly how I felt. All I know yeah. is, you know, even after I lost my dad, at least my dad had cancer. He was ill. So we were getting ready. It hurt. It hit me. You know how close I was to him, but hearing these words hurt from a different angle a lot more i didn't only feel guilt i felt betrayed i felt the, the betrayal the betrayal is what was eating me up it was the betrayal yeah yeah because this is this is me this girl i've made it i've you know i have made it i'm proud to say that i've made it everything i've built done my own two hands without ever having to have fortunate enough not to have some guy bring me drama because you do have some girls who get completely thrown off their course of life because of men's drama and i managed to escape that till i was 30. and then i thought to myself unfortunately being african we have this pressure where your family is like you're turning 30 you're getting into you're going into your 30s now we don't hear about a man and i'm thinking okay that is one other thing it was all the pressure from my family i remember my uncle referring to me as siberia a very beautiful country with less inhabitants because it's extremely cold and i thought oh my he said you were so independent for your own you know it, it's not good for you no man no man wants to be intimidated by a woman like that you know at some level you need to submit you need to bow down and say yeah let a man take control but you yeah. are you is damaging because you make a man feel like he cannot bring anything to you that you haven't been able to bring to yourself and i was like well damn right and he's like well that is why i refer to you as siberia this beautiful country with very, very limited inhabitants because the weather scares people away. And I was like, oh, so I scare people away. And she, he's like, no, you obviously me trying to express that, but it didn't change the fact that what had happened happened and I was hurting, I was betrayed, I was, forget everything. For someone so confident, I felt, you know, like, I was done. I had nothing. I had nothing. If a man can do that to me, a whole me, forget it. I got nothing. That confidence is just some wishy-washy illusion yeah. in my brain. It is not real. I'm, I'm surely I'm not that confident. I, I, I mean, I wasn't able to pull him. So duh. But yeah, yeah, it made me question myself. Why me? You know, I gave everything I could. I did everything he wanted. I did everything, even the things that I didn't want, I did because I was like, I, it's all about compromising. My mom sat me down and lectured me the year before when we did the knock door. And my mom told me what, you know, marriage is all about and how sometimes you just have to, you know, accept, you know, that, you, you know, it is not your word. It's not about you anymore. It's about you and this other person. But I was going in there wanting to make sure that he, you know, it was established that it is also about me as much as it is about him. Gone are those days when our parents were like, yeah, I'm just going to suck it up. You know, this, we didn't know any better. This is how we were raised. This was my time and I was bent on making a difference. So thinking about all of that, I felt like I failed myself massively. <laughs> I felt like 
that mission, yeah, it fell through. I felt like a failure. I did. And I remember you were, when I was expressing all of this to you, you said, well, do not blame yourself. You have nothing, you know, to blame yourself for. You have, no, you've done nothing. The problem lies with him and beyond. It is not you. But how can you not feel that way? You know? Yeah. And, and that, that is hard because when I say that to people, they say it's a cop out. Of course it's about me. Of course it's about me. And what, what I try to say is, yes, in every relationship, there are going to be dynamics between the two people that trigger things in each other. But at the moment where you take responsibility for someone's decision to cancel a wedding, uh -huh. what in the world? Are you thinking? We have choice. We have free choice. And I think what I was trying to tell you then was, yes, you all may have had issues and you may have had your challenges, but you're not the first couple to have challenges. At the okay. point where a person makes a decision, it's their decision. That's what I was trying to convey to you. We can all stand up in any relationship, romantic, work, filial. <clears throat> and recognize that I contributed X to the, to, to the stew, and I considered Y to the cake. By the end of the day, what you do, what are you adding Jansa and I added, and I added Maggie? Maggie. Mm -hmm. the the day, who stirs that pot in what they ultimately put in it and serve out has to take responsibility for it. And at yeah. that time, I was far away. I was in the US and I was trying to hold you up. Yeah. For all the distance. So all you and I had with the phone. And I think we spoke every single day. Every day. And sometimes we talked four times a day. Exactly. You were calling. And I remember your mom in the background saying, Girl, keep your chin up. I remember mom. Yeah. You yeah. called mom. And mom was in the yeah. background. I think you guys were in the kitchen. And your mom yeah. kept saying, Keep your chin up, girl. Keep your chin up. And I was like, yeah. You know what? I've lost, but I still have love. So I had you guys. I never end. And my. I had two jobs primarily as a friend. In addition to listening to you and just being there, I felt like my job was to try to get you to see beyond the pain. I needed you to see that there is something after this. And, and in that moment, I, you, you couldn't see it because no. here was pain. Here was hurt. Here was, um, you know, canceled wedding. And the other thing I want to talk about is which weighed on you tremendously was shame. Oh yeah, them go talk, say. So talk to me about that. So, funnily, I didn't think about what they, as in people outside of my circle would say, because truth be told, I think, I'm what we call, we like to call in Pigeon a dry hair, Sangler. Sangler. Yeah, I do what I want to do, irrespective of what anybody outside my friendship zone would think. I.e., I have a close circle of friends. I can count down to five of you guys, you included five. Very close circle of friends. To me, it is important to take these people's opinions into consideration when I'm doing something. Somehow, to me, it matters. The opinion matters. The way it comes across to them and it reflects on our friendship matters. 
to that extent. Now, outside of that circle and my family, anyone else, je m'en fous. And to your Mama Talk Talk fans, it means I don't give a rat's ass. I don't care. So when this happened, I was the first thing I did was call each and every one of you in my circle individually, gave you a heads up. That was it. After speaking with my family, obviously my brothers were all all over me, you know, like, you know, it's fine, it's fine. My mom was like, yeah, I never liked him anyway, it's fine. And I felt confident. I felt comfortable. And another thing, I did not feel any pressure at that time in terms of shame was because I was home with mom. Yes. I was home with mom. And you know what mom said to me? My beautiful daughter, I want you out of this house every night. Party. Party until you know that you still have life. You have a lot to look forward to. And I kept, I did that. I partied a lot. So it kept me, you know, um, kind of distracted. Now, I, I was in Cameroon for all of six weeks. After all of this happened, I stayed in Cameroon because that was the plan. I wasn't able to change my ticket to come back earlier or sooner. I just, I couldn't be bothered. I needed to be around people. When I came back to the UK, that mm. is when reality sunk in. Mm. That is when reality hit me. I came back to a quiet, empty, lonely apartment. I had and passed up winter in London. And it was yep. winter. I came back in January. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't do it. I thought I would escape by going to work and not focusing. I had to change my number. So the first thing that the first move was changing my phone number, my UK number. That is how I knew that, yeah, no, that shame part has hit me. I've yes. come back. I've come back to my world. And I do what not know. So I changed my number for two reasons. One, obviously, I didn't want contact with him. Secondly, I did not want anybody because there were people obviously like everyone else who has my number not necessarily being a close friend. I knew that by the time I came back to the UK, they would have heard because bad news spreads fast. I knew that. But I did not want any Tom, Dick and Harry getting on the phone, you know, pretending to be empathetic because all they want to do is hear it from the horse's mouth and spread some more. So I had to do that damage control. I changed my number. I thought that focusing on work was going to help. It didn't. My manager, luckily I had a very good manager. She, she could tell, she said to me, I don't know, whatever personal issues you're having, it is translating. You've lost a ton of weight. You're not working well. You're not focusing your emails, your, your, your emails that are outstanding. That is your trademark. Your emails are coming across blank now. Can you take some time off? So I went in. I took three months off work. And during those three months, I traveled around trying to make the most of it. I remember even the time when we met up in yeah in, we started in, yeah Paris, was it? incorporated everything Paris Germany Vienna and it, there was Italy we just, I just it yeah I, called to me, like, I don't think I can do this traveling all by myself I need company <laughs> so you you came back and see apart. You change your number. Mm -hmm. You, in a way, go into hiding. Yeah, I went into hiding. I needed, I needed that. You needed the silence, but that's also when the shame starts to, to come in. 
Yeah. And we talked about it. And I remember you saying, you know, you were doing all these things. And I said, I completely understand why you don't want to talk to people. And they, no, no one has ownership to your life, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing that I kept wondering was, why, why are you ashamed? What did you do? I think it's the normal, it's that question, it's that when something, when you, when something fails you, when you experience disappointment, you, although it's nothing to do with you, it was not your fault, you cannot help but feel like you did something wrong. Otherwise, why would it have happened to you? Because all I kept asking myself is, why me? What did I really do? I, at that point, I wasn't thinking what people were saying. I couldn't be bothered what people had concluded because I knew even if we had gotten married then and think everything had gone, there, there always would have been something to talk about, you know, I yeah. money. But at that moment, it was more about me. What did I do? So I, like you would know, I keep going back to make an emphasis on this. I am self-made. So which means I beat myself up really hard when yeah. things don't go as planned. Of course, I need to have a plan B. But when it comes to love, girl, it's not like I'm going to have a Johnny on the side waiting there. Oh, if it doesn't work out with this one, I'll come running to you. No, it doesn't work like that. When it comes to love, it's different, you know. So there was no plan B because I went all in. I am passionate. I am a typical Leo. I went all in. No stones left unturned. Yeah. And so it hit me in the face. It hit yes. me in the face like, like that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And destabilized me for that minute. I mean, I didn't, I didn't crumble, but I fell. Yeah, I did not crumble to pieces, but I fell. And Lord, if anybody knows anything about a Leo, when your ego is burst, Ooh. yeah, my ego was burst. My ego, it, it, you, you yeah, like a wounded lion, and so uh, that is it. Uh, and I felt like I couldn't fight i couldn't there was nothing what was i fighting here that was because i'm so used to fighting i'm so used to making it happen i'm like i'm not gonna stop you know i just keep pushing but in this at this moment what am i fighting what am i fighting or who am i fighting with and most importantly what am i fighting for because all i need for is my purpose i have a purpose if I am going or engaging in a fight, or if I think this calls for a fight, don't just let it go. Fight for it. It is with purpose. There is a you know a game plan at the end of it. Like what am I gonna achieve? But what was the purpose here? What was I fighting for? So I was lost. I felt disarmed completely. I felt thrown off my zone of comfort. My ego was bruised in all shapes and forms, and I just felt useless. And all of that hit my self esteem. And that's why I became withdrawn and I refused to have contact with anybody. Like any lion, you get wounded, what do you do? You run away and you just hide. You don't want to like, you don't want, because you're so used to being in control and helping straighten up situations that when you lose that balance, you feel useless. And that is how I felt so withdrawn. I would not speak to anybody. I did only two people had my number in the UK and that was it. Yeah, so I did not want to talk to anybody until such time because I kept saying, when I'm done licking my wounds, then maybe, you know, 
there will be hope. But for now, I just need that time by myself. I was not built to break. Oh yeah. That is I would tell anybody, anybody right now who tries to shake my word, so to speak, I would laugh, literally laugh. As opposed to back then, I'd probably be like, How do I put my defenses up? What do I do now? <laughs> I just look at you and I say, Boy, your girl, you weren't born. Check me out. I was not built to break. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no rush, no no long things, like Jamaicans would say. It's just a simple, plain and simple, one sentence. Make it clear. I was not built to break. There is nothing in this world that would make me get that, nothing. After going through that journey, I went through nothing. Yeah. There's a way that things being snatched away from us and the humiliation and shame and judgment that comes from that can really make us broken. Once you go down, if you're able to pick your head up again, there is something that happens to be carried and your confidence and your core. It's together now, you're in sync and you can face the world head on. So that, that's yeah. fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Tell me about the role of motherhood in on this journey for you? What role has being a mother brought into your life? What has it changed, if anything? It has given me so much control. I am so, like the, the, the whole, when we talk about empowerment, hmm? the fact that you actually bring life into the world and then you're able to make that happen in such a way that it's comfortable for not just yourself but even for people around you and you're still keeping it together going about your business still you know putting that food on the table still getting all gucci up and chanelized and raining in all the products i need you to get know. more designer to keep talking about gucci up and chanelized i need to get you <laughs> there are not always some designers yeah, i know but that is me you know, I've got to be real. That's me. But that is yeah. you. That is you. I, I saw your, your, when I visited you, I think it was two years ago. Mm. I, I saw your top shelf where you, where you keep your handbag. I was like, girl, girl, am I? Um, what a one. Right? <laughs> but, but you know what? I, I, I love that what you just said is, that's me. Yeah, I love that. You've always, you've always just owned it. You've always owned it. flaws, glories, and all. You've always said, "Me voila." Yeah, you want or you don't want. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, straight up. And if anything, motherhood has made me realize I have a love. I have the the, the assured love, guaranteed, the love from someone that I never need to doubt or ask myself or question. It is a kind of love that is, it's never going to be sufficient. It is an endless kind of love, love that no words are enough to describe. Yeah. For me, that's enough. I don't need anybody else trying to, if you, okay, additional love, that's fine. But as long as it comes with no drama, I'm good. Because in this space right now, I am all about, being a role model for my child. And I can only do that. 
Yeah, and I can only do that with a peaceful mind, with a with a very set mind frame. I seen there needs to be harmony and peace and love overflowing for that child to know that he is being raised and brought up in a loving environment where there, love love reigns. I don't need an outsider to come in and shake in that world or try to make me feel like I'm lacking somewhere because I'm right now I'm not. I've got all what I need right here, right now. You know, uh, it's always good for a bonus, but I'm not gonna try to to, to turn my my peaceful world into something else for want of something that may not even be worth it. So yeah. if anything, motherhood has just reassured me I'm good. I am fine where I am. I'm happy. I'm peaceful, and I'm content. You know, never been this better. Life is actually good. You know, and <laughs> yeah. I love what we're talking today. I love, love, love the fact that you said from the moment Cohen came into your life, into your womb. Yeah, doors just open. It's yeah. as if it's their case to to this different world just open yeah. and it kept going. And I just thought that was so beautiful because mm. the one thing that you wanted out of life more than anything else, more than a marriage, more than a career, more than, was it was a baby. Yeah. Why <laughs> do you have one heck of a little boy there? Oh my yeah. God. Oh my I God. always wanted to be a mother. I always wanted to be a mother because it was just, I don't know. It is something. Words cannot describe. It is a whole other. But I, I, I'm so appreciative that you took the time to talk us through what that thing was and, yeah. and being down, down, down there with you so that we needed to climb out. Yeah. To climb out with you and yeah. see where you are now, blossoming, gorgeous, <laughs> amazing <laughs> career. And just, Cohen is just beautiful, happy child. <laughs> you know, so thank you so, so, so much. And by the way, I had to get in shape for this. I was not about to be outdone on your own show because you you bring it. You're like, listen. <laughs> listen. You told me, you're like, listen, I, I, I was ready to slay. I'm like, she's awesome. I can't believe this. Girl, you didn't even need to, go to make an effort. You didn't need to make an effort. You slay like rent is due every second. You slay. So well, you carry on slaying. Carry on slaying. <laughs> Playing is what we do best. Playing in, in everything you do, whatever you put your mind into, you do play. So keep coming through. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, you know, this is it is nice to talk about this. You know, um, not just anytime, girl. I want to commend you on this. You know, keep doing this. Keep, you know, breaking not through, bad. making, bringing people together because these are the type of things. Topics that are just caused in this hey, Mama Talk Talk no, podcast. Yes. This is what brings people together because people can relate, you know, different stories. People go through different things, scenarios in their lives. It is worth talking about it. It is worth shining the light on some of the complexities yes. that we face in our, in this journey called life. So thank yes. you very much. And you know where I am anytime. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please share your thoughts in the comments below. Or email us at ab at mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, invite a friend or many. 
for more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe, subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different take and join our online family by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Abi Mambo, Sigashina, stay well.